Welcome to Running on Ice, the coolest community in freight. I'm your host, Mary O'Connell, bringing you the latest tech updates, warehouse news, and everything happening in the cold chain world. Not only is there the coolest show on freight, but there's also Running on Ice, a newsletter that could not be colder. You can subscribe to that on freightwaves.com slash running on ice. Before we get into our guest interview, let's get into some headlines. Americold Realty Trust is investing $3.9 billion for a 49% interest in Dubai-based RSA cold chain. George Chappelle, America, Americold's CEO, said the partnership with RSA Cold Chain combined with Americold's recently announced partnership with DP World provides the company with an ideal platform to provide supply chain solutions and cold storage capacity in the Middle East and India. RSA Cold Chain's co-founder and CEO said, We are absolutely thrilled to partner with Americold, a global player that can connect the world's food production markets to our region with a seamless service at origin and destination. Kroger is about to add another layer of automation to its customers' online grocery orders filled by robots at its new $55 million fulfillment center in southern Dallas. California-based Gaddick is pitching its autonomous vehicle deliveries as a way for retailers to cut costs and save time in their constant efforts to be in stock by using frequent deliveries from small self-driving trucks instead of big semi-trailers. For Kroger, Gaddick will increase same-day pickup slots, deliver, delivery frequency, and allow for longer cutoff times when customers can place online grocery orders. Completed, order, completed online grocery orders will be transported to Kroger stores for customers to pick up or have delivered. Kroger claims its deliveries have cut the costs by up to 30% and has is completed delivery of more than 500,000 orders in Texas, Arkansas, and Ontario, Canada. Bracket upsets aren't the only shocking thing to happen with March Madness this year. Chicken wing demand isn't what it usually is this time of the year. A sharp decline in 2022 began at the beginning of the year and hasn't recovered since. Jumbo wing quotes are sitting at a price point of 91 cents. Jumbo wing prices are 52% below year-ago levels and is a staggering 65% under 2021 levels, which was seasonal all-time high back in 2021. Last week, fresh chicken wings retailed at $3.38 discounted and earned nearly $7.9 million in total sales. With the chicken complex, fresh chicken breasts were the leading seller and the retail added $4.35 discounted or $4.74 non-discounted. Today, we are joined by Rick Shibakazi, Director of Cargo Sales and Special Projects at the Jacksonville Port Authority. Welcome to the show, Rick. Hey, well, hey, how you doing, Mary? Glad to be here. I'm, Thank you. I'm doing pretty good. I'm excited because um, this is another one of those um, happy accident guests where, you know, social media brought us together because I was talking about the Jacksonville Port Authority and then someone else was like, hey, we're pretty great. And here we are. And I'm so excited because um, the Jack Fort has kind of become my favorite in the country. But I don't know if I'm allowed to pick favorites, but if I can... It's you guys. Great. Thank you. Well, we, we're um, growing rather quickly here, so. I feel like that's a good problem to have. <laughs> yeah. But before we get into that, before we get into everything about you guys, uh, why don't you guys, why don't you give us a brief rundown on your background and how you got started with the Jacksport? So um, I worked for some maritime uh, shipping lines over the years. And then uh, most recently, I worked for the Port of Baltimore for 22 years. 
and a similar position handling Latin America, break bulk products, refrigerated cargo. Uh, so, and then about 10 years ago, I uh, basically came for a position here in Jacksonville, which matched up to my exact things that I was doing in Baltimore, but in a bigger, slightly bigger port uh, with some more cargo options and a, a bigger partnership network here. So, uh, it, it's worked out very well and I'm enjoying my job here, uh, for that set for the next 10 years. And the weather is excellent here. Not so much in Baltimore all the time. <laughs> I feel like that's just gotta be the icing on the cake because, um, as someone who's been to Baltimore in the summer and, uh, although I do feel like Baltimore in the summer is better than Florida in the summer. Um, no offense, but Florida has aggressive humidity. You know, so does Baltimore though. So you probably hit a good That's day. true. <laughs> You know, I had it like the one good day. <laughs> uh, 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 okay. No, I think <laughs> All right, but during the winter here is, is a better quality of life, from all I would say. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Snow, who is she? Who is she? <laughs> Perfect. All right. So I feel like I'm just kind of constantly reading about companies, um, you know, investing in these massive facilities right near you guys. Um, and are making plans to incorporate the incorporate Jacksport into their you know full chain supply chain or any of their basically everyone is kind of making plans around you guys. Why have you guys kind of become the new coolest kids in town? I think the cargo growth has been uh, uh, really uh, very helpful because when people look at the see what kind of gar- cargo movements, they always look at the business opportunities first. And secondly, they probably talk to the port about, you know, opportunities. Do we have enough services here throughout the world? And then lastly, the, the other really important factor is real estate, right? We need land to be able to expand. And uh, thankfully, in the last couple of years, we've had a tremendous amount of development. And uh, really, I mean, it's it's been incredible. I mean, I think it even surprises us, you know, we feel as though, We've been very successful, but when you start to see warehouses pop up and, and I mean, a tremendous amount of space. And then uh, most recently, and part of our, our what we talked about today is a refrigerated growth. Uh, so it, it's just been, I don't want to call it a complete surprise, but it's certainly a pleasant surprise for us to be growing so quickly. Like I said, it's a good problem to have where all of a sudden everybody re- like kind of recognizes all the work that you guys are doing and everything that, you know, you're doing to make the port cool and exciting. And um, then everybody's like, no, 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 we like this. Keep doing this. And we're just going to build a bunch of multi-million dollar facilities right down the street. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I mean, it, it, the you know, the situation is this. When we talk to people, they haven't really put a shovel on the ground yet. And they come to us for sort of a flavor of what's coming up. And, uh, you know, we try to be as we are as honest as possible. We're very objective about the opportunities and the industries around us, the surround us, including the port. And, uh, you know, uh, this is where these people then say, okay, it's, it's worthwhile investing here. And they plant their flag here. And it's been uh, nice to hear basically their reply, you know, say six months or a year later. When they say, you know what, you told us there would be good opportunities, there have been good opportunities, and we're growing. So when you hear it back, I think the the positive feedback is really great. Oh, absolutely, because that's when you're like, oh, we know we're doing something right. We kind of can carry on on this path and not just shoot out into the abyss and hope for the best. 
Yes, correct. Yes, yes. Yep. Um, What do you think has been the major contributor of all this growth? Kind of like what is that competitive edge that you guys have developed over, you know, other ports or or other areas? Yeah, I mean, I I think the one thing that we are seeing is basically impetus of this growth has been the population growth of Florida. I mean, we have a tremendous amount of people uh, along the East Coast that are moving this way from New Jersey and New York, farther north. Uh, you know, we're in a situation where people are doing some hybrid work so they can work at home as well as even travel farther, you know, uh, to, to basically go to the office maybe a couple times a month. And back to what I said, I think the quality of life here is, is very good. Uh, the beach is very close. Uh, we're like an hour and a half or so from Disney World and some of the attractions down there. But, um, and, you know, there has been a, a, a great deal of uh, available industrial property. And, and that's tied in basically between the port and the airport. In that sec- sector in between is where all this growth is going on. I feel like a airport within, you know, 30 minutes to an hour of a port has to be kind of game changing because then it literally comes in and it can be on an airplane and be in Seattle like the next day. Absolutely. And uh, we're probably 20 minutes from the airport. And, uh, you know, we also have rail connections that put us into the center of the country and in at in Quakuri. So it's it's very good. And on the refrigerated side, I mean, we have a lot of trucks that are destined here and then wind up empty. And they're what they call backhauling, which is typically a cheaper rate going back towards Atlanta, Nashville, Memphis, and farther north. So, um, I think that's feeding all this situation of being a very uh, cost-conscious companies are taking advantage of that. So, Yeah, because Florida has, um, back in my brokerage days, uh, Florida was always kind of that dead zone where you would send a truck to and you'd have to pay a little bit more, especially if you're going down to like South Florida, you're going to have to pay a lot of money for that because there's nothing down there for them to pick up and bring back. Yeah, it's it's been, uh, you know, and then the other thing they're suffering down there is with congestion of population. And uh, <clears throat> even major highways like 95 is the congested down there. We have, we're very much enjoy uh, our location here, which is uh, we have Route 10 that goes from here to California West, and it starts here. And then 95 comes from Miami, goes right through Jacksonville and heads north into uh, New York and North. So uh, we... I've definitely gotten yep. stuck on 95 and the uh, more up north. <laughs> I think everyone has. <laughs> then uh, you can take 10 out to 75 and that puts you right in downtown Atlanta. So to get to the population growth, it's very, very good. So it's easy. Yeah. You guys kind of have a little bit of everything, which is nice. Um, yes. What kind of pro like, so we've talked about like the company seeking uh, opportunities there and how it's extremely cost conscious. What kind of products are benefiting the most from all of these enhancements to the cold chain services? Like, are we talking fresh fruit, um, florals, pharmaceuticals? What kind of products are you guys seeing like really thriving in this? Yeah, I mean, the the, the main, I think, thing things that started the crank up of this business in Jacksonville has been a company called Beaver Street Fisheries. They were a, a domestic importer of seafood. Everything from, you know, fish like fillets, like whiting, all the way up to lobster, shrimp, and and things like that from all over the world. 
um, they have basically transferred that over to a complete uh, worldwide network in that they import and export all at the same time through foreign trade zones. They're able to do that without paying duty or cargo that's being re-exported. So that's been a savings to them. But uh, they occupy uh, three warehouses today that are all frozen and high-tech, uh, high ceilings. Uh, and, you know, it's worked out really well. So that put our name basically on the map. Uh, what we are starting to see more and more of is poultry business. And that poultry business resides in the southern part of Georgia and just west of there. So uh, because other ports are suffering through some congestion, uh, both at the pier and with vessel traffic, uh, people are coming here and they can handle just briefly what happens with poultry is it's shipped to a warehouse locally fresh. Uh, USDA does a quick inspection to make sure it's it's fine. And then once they stamp the, their inspection that it's okay, it's what's called flash frozen. So the, the cases are frozen very quickly. And then from there, they're put in the containers for export. So they're ready to go. Um, that process is done very quickly here. And we have a number of facilities that can do that. So, uh, so it's it's really pretty great. We're doing very well. The growth is is very manageable. We're doing really well out of it. Poultry is one of those that is surprising to me, and I don't know why. I don't know if I just thought that poultry was kind of exclusive to the Midwest and like we kind of shipped it out from there. But now I'm realizing that like there are manufacturing facilities everywhere for it. Um, but I don't know. Poultry just seems very, very random. But oddly enough, it makes sense. If that makes sense. Yeah, I mean. There are pockets throughout the country where chickens are grown, basically, and uh, those areas are the primary areas that either is for domestic distribution or for exports. And a lot of the, the exports are not whole chickens, but parts. Uh, when I was up in Baltimore, we handled a lot from the Delmarva Peninsula, so that was a portion of Delaware, Maryland, and Virginia, and they centered, uh, usually exporting that most of that material through Baltimore uh, and the frozen and it went everywhere. I mean, it depended on what type of countries like certain products more than others. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a very big business. Um, and Alabama does quite a bit. Georgia does quite a bit. And we, we see some of it also. So it's been a really nice growth. It does take care of You have to do some uh, better handling of it, I guess, to keep it uh, in, in sustainable and in proper growth. Um, so our facilities are pretty much set up for that in that we are so close to some of these facilities that uh, they can drive there very quickly. Uh, there's a generator set that keeps the whole container cold. And then once it arrives at the terminal, they're plugged into power. And and that's what the operation works like that till the vessel is ready to load those containers. And then they're plugged into the ship for tracing and things like that that is actually really cool yeah. that's something that i did not expect to learn today was fun facts about chicken logistics um which is actually really cool <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah i'll have to remember that term <laughs> chicken logistics <laughs> uh, yeah. so we've touched on some of them um like some little success stories do you guys have like one overall like this is someone who has effectively used our resources, like improved their business. Basically, like do you have like your one big success story uh, outside of the fish that are that you're like, yeah, I know these people are doing it right. And, you know, they've used all we have to offer correctly. 
Absolutely. Um, so one of our recent buildings that were, was finished, I think, around November, December 1st, um, was a company called Flexcoal. So Flexcoal is headquartered in Charleston, actually, South Carolina. But they chose to build their very first facility here. Um, they are very high-tech. Um, their storage is built on uh, uh, different type of forms that actually move in the warehouse. So if you have product that's not going to be going out immediately, um, the whole uh, basically range of pallet positions move to one side of the building, and then it opens up more space. So you get about, uh, I think, about 35% more space usability of cargo in a warehouse like that because you can move the uh, the racks back and forth as needed. Um, they built a 150,000-square-foot warehouse, which we call spec, meaning they didn't have an anchor tenant when they built it. Um, and it was one of those stories about, look, we have business. I think you'll do well here. And they're like, okay, we'll see. And, uh, you know, the, the, the building was up in December, the beginning of December. Uh, by the beginning of February, they were completely full. So uh, immediately that triggered for them an expansion. Uh, they had bought enough property basically to double the building size. And they're in the process right now of uh, breaking ground to do just that. So that'll turn into a 300,000 square foot building. It's all frozen space and they do have flash freezers for the poultry. Um, they do a, a little bit of domestic. I know they have a pizza account that it handles frozen pizzas for supermarkets. And that's been another piece of business I think that they weren't expecting, which is a nice touch. Uh, we do have, you know, three different distribution centers locally or within say 10 or 12 miles. Uh, one is public supermarkets, one is Winn-Dixie, and one is Walmart. And all three of those are strictly refrigerated buildings. And uh, like Walmart has areas for things like lettuce, which require more humidity. And then they have frozen packages like for prepared foods. And then they have, you know, protein like steaks and uh, chickens and, and pork also. So to have those distribution centers here basically that are sending their products all the way through the southeast. So the, the basically the southeast corner of the, of the U.S., um, you know, the demand is there for the product. So, you know, we're starting to bring more and more in that way. We haven't touched much upon the fruit side of things you mentioned. We do bring the pineapples up from uh, Costa Rica. Uh, so that's been a regularly weekly uh, input. But that product stays in the container. It goes directly to a customer like a supermarket or the distribution centers I just mentioned. So basically, so we don't actually. So basically, they kind of did a if we build it, they will come. They built a field of dreams they, right in your backyard. Yes. And uh, they were, they kept a very sharp eye on me to make sure things worked out. So, no, we're, we're very happy to see them uh, succeed. Uh, and we have had a couple of other situations where they built facilities here for distribution. And we have a, a few more in the works, and uh, it's just surprising that it's growing so fast. You know, I mean, uh, the usually the growth is a little slower and more planned. Uh, I think the opportunities are, are showing up, and people are trying to jump on them as they get, you know, the available space. Uh, we do have a lot of land here in Florida, but uh, I think the prices are starting to peak, and uh, 
you know, the developers that got in early are doing it right. And uh, anyone coming later is going to be pretty expensive land for acre. So, um, that being said, like with everyone coming down and you know taking advantage of everything there, what are some of the traits of your favorite shippers or people that you're working with? Like, what are those traits that you're like you, you are on it, you have it, we want to continue working with you versus someone that you know is still a good customer but maybe is a little less responsive less quick to pick up some of their stuff. Like, what are some of those good traits that you're like, this is make, this is going to make me want to continue doing business with you from the port perspective? Yeah, I mean, I, I think basically all of them are our favorites. We don't have any slow process customers or delays. Uh, what we try to do is work with our terminal operators to make sure that everything works smoothly and arrives uh, to the terminal in time for the ship. Uh, in some of our cases, I know we have dedicated gates that can expedite if you have like a certain amount of containers that need to come through sort of at the last minute to arrive before the ship sails. Uh, we have been able to m- basically make that happen. So uh, our operators are very attuned to what all this means. And, uh, you know, the inventory and the cost of the inventory for a shipper is very expensive. So we try to get it to the ships as soon as possible. Uh, I don't know that, that, uh, for us, I mean, most of the ocean shipping lines that we have come here, uh, show up on a fixed day schedule. So they're here every week. So if you miss the ship, you have to wait a whole another week for, you know, to catch that ship. So, uh, I think that's, that's a good reason for people to sort of use this. We have a tremendously good customer service team here and we work with customers big and small. Uh, to make sure that they reach their goals and everything works through uh, pretty well, you know, very well. And uh, we sort of take the time to introduce everyone along the supply chain so you know who to touch upon if you have any issues. So you guys really take that, like, partnership approach, like, to the next level where it's like we're in this together. It's not just drop your stuff and hopefully it'll get on the boat today. It's just as long as you're here before the boat goes, you're good. And I mean, I think the, some of the companies like this, what's cold, I mean, they have people on staff that do nothing but, you know, sort of keep an eye on the time range and make sure that they, you know, everything's working on a timely basis. Uh, if there's any problems, they kind of, they know who to talk to at the pier and they can advise them, Hey, this, these couple boxes may be coming in kind of like a hot load and, uh, you need, you need to handle them a little bit special. So, but I, it's, it's a very nice, uh, partnership with all our supply chain partners here. I mean, everyone works together. Uh, we have some industry organizations that make us get together on a, you know, several times a month. So everyone knows each other and we work together to make sure things get done properly. So I actually really like that. It sounds some like wholesome and like, like just nice. Sounds like a nice way of doing business. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I tell you, the, some of the things I think the shippers are, are surprised about is if they have a question, let's say, about a customs issue, uh, we're very close with customs here, and we, we know uh, the district director extremely well, and uh, she'll just jump in with her team and help us out, like, very quickly. And, uh, you know, that's that's really very helpful. Yes, that's a very plus on our, on our on our radar with customers because they're like, you guys are really tuned into these things. That's great. You know, so there's one we thing we've problems. learned 
If there's one thing we've learned, customs paperwork is is can be someone's downfall. Yes, it can be. Yeah. All right. So, so we yeah. are almost out of time, but there is some there's a question that everyone that comes on the show has to answer. And it might be the hardest question you get asked all day. Are you ready for it? I'm dreading this. No, I'm not looking. <laughs> I'm ready. Go ahead. Is cereal a soup? So you know, let me let me say this. I was born in Argentina and I came to this country when I was younger. And I still retain those Argentinian breakfast things. So I don't eat either cereal or soup. So, <laughs> so I can't answer that question. I'm not a person that is uh, very, very uh, involved or know much about that. What do That's, you think? Uh, I don't think it's a soup because um, okay. like, it's just it's just not. It's breakfast cereal, even if you put it in milk. And yeah. I know that a soup is technically like a liquid with stuff in it. And it's, it's hot. Just, Right? It's it's not it. But what is a typical Argentinian breakfast? A uh, cup of coffee and uh, probably a little croissant. That's it. That sounds delightful. Our big meals, our big meals are lunch and dinner and dinners. <laughs> so it's kind of like a different whole uh, culture. I like it. I like it. Argentina is pretty yeah. cool. They're pretty cool. They yeah. got some good food. All right. So right. if anyone wants to reach out um, about your breakfast opinions or anything going on at Jacksport, where can they find you outside the show? Uh, at jacksport.com. Uh, and uh, it, I am actually listed on the website under, uh, like I said, jacksport.com under cargo. And there is our, our whole team is listed there and our email address, which is ricardo.shipacosti at jacksport.com. You'll have a hard time spelling that, but uh, you'll find it on the website. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for being here today. Hey, Mary, thank you so much. Great to meet you. And uh, we'll touch base soon. Thank you. You can catch other episodes of Running on Ice here on Brightwaves TV, YouTube, or anywhere you get your podcasts like Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Need more Running on Ice news? No sweat. Subscribe to the newsletter on brightwaves.com slash running on ice. See you on the internet.